like I'm as motivated as it comes, just tell me what I need to do. And he said, okay, in simple terms, go message people, get them on a call, close, and then raise your price. And I did that and I made 10 grand that week. Uh, I called my parents, I said, hey, I figured it out finally, like, let me come home. I'll pay you guys a thousand dollars of rent and you won't see me, like I'm gonna grind. And I went home and I spent the next 365 days and I barely left that room and I made a million dollars that year. But whether you're Elon Musk or you're Onyx Gall or you're Tanner, you have 24 hours in a day. You only have 24 hours in a day. So, and so you can work 20 of them and ignore the rest of your life and sleep for and be highly unhealthy and blah, blah, blah. But hard work isn't, I don't think is the differentiator. Welcome to the Onyx Singal Show. All right, now, every entrepreneur's dream, CEO, wanna be the CEO, wanna be the big shot, sitting in the big chair, making all the decisions, being the boss man, until they've actually done it. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've been a CEO now for 20 years, and I'm, <laughs> I am ready for anybody else to take this chair. It is one of the toughest positions and jobs, and I have actually found that if you are a very good entrepreneur, there's actually a great chance that you're a really crappy CEO. The two have very different skill sets. Now, I've been pretty good at both. Um, I'm probably a way better entrepreneur than I am a CEO, but look, I've been able to make it work. So the guest we're going to talk to today, I have found him intriguing in many ways. First and foremost, we met the way we met was just funny. We met because I actually got introduced to his father. And then his father spoke so highly of him. I'm like, who is this guy? So I started following him a little bit more. And since then, I mean, I've seen him just explode. His company and his business and everything has just exploded. Then he starts making all these posts about, I spoke to billionaire this. And here's, our, here's my notes from the conversation. I spoke to this billionaire. Here's my notes. I'm like, what the hell is this guy? How's he talking to billionaires every week, right? So in intrigues me to follow him even more and um, really impressed by the posts he puts up. So I'm going to give you his name soon and I hope you do go follow him on Facebook because he's always doing these value bombs on Facebook where he's just dropping real hard knowledge. And I'll tell you, the kinds of stuff he talks about, you can only talk about when you've actually been through it. It's just, it's just clear. Like, you read his advice, it's not the idealistic crap that you'd want to hear in a woke world. It's like, here's what the truth is. And that's where I am. I've been through it and I'm like, wow, okay, finally, breath of fresh air, someone who says it like it is. So definitely make sure you follow him. Um, but also, most recently he got my attention because he, uh, he fired himself. He legit just said, I'm out. I'm not going to be CEO of my company anymore. And I was like, all right, dude, I'm working on that. Like, we got to come talk. You got to come on this episode. But I really want to, like, I want to talk more about why every entrepreneur should not be a CEO and why it's not an ego thing and why you might be doing a better thing for your company and you. And anyways, without further ado, everyone, help me welcome to the uh, to the, the podcast. I guess I can't say the CEO, but I can still say the founder of Elite CEOs, Tanner Chidister. Tanner, what's up, my friend? Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so so the weird background, right? We met we met because I made a post on Facebook because I was talking about life insurance. Someone's like, hey, meet Tanner. Tanner's like, hey, meet my dad. I'm like, cool. I had a conversation with your dad, which is awesome. And then um, then I happened to, in a very similar post, I posted something about, Air, about Airbnb. And you come in, you're like, hey, I have the perfect person to help you with this. Go, go here, work with this person. 
I'm like, all right, cool. And I do work with that person, by the way. Um, and, uh, and it's been awesome. And uh, then I started kind of, I, it was so funny because I spoke to your dad and your dad just kept saying, Tanner this, Tanner that, Tanner this. He's, he's a pretty big fan of you, by the way. And I'm like, all right, like, what is this guy? Who is this guy? And this is a good two years ago, I think at this point. And then I, I feel like I've had the pleasure of watching your growth as an entrepreneur and your business. I don't know what you were doing back then, but I know I think you guys really grew the last couple of years. We met finally face to face. I know we couldn't spend too much time together, but at a recent event, at least we got to say hi. Um, and then the next thing I know, you made this post where you're like, I'm out. I fired myself as a CEO of a company called Elite CEOs. I'm like, that's kind of ironic. So here we are, man. Tell your story a little bit. And then I want to unfold kind of your journey as an entrepreneur, CEO, and I want to talk about, so you've had a lot of conversations with billionaires and you've used strategies that most people listening could actually use as well. So if you're listening right now today, we're going to unpack how you can actually interview billionaires like Tanner has. So it's going to be a really cool episode. So Tanner, tell us a little bit about yourself and fill in the pieces for us, man. Sure. Well, it's good to hear my dad is obviously my biggest fan. So that's good. Uh, he he, pro he probably didn't know much about you or he may not have been bringing me up so much because I, I told him you're really good at what you do. But uh, yeah, big background real quick is uh, one of seven kids. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a stay at home mom. I was the oldest boy. So growing up, I did a lot of you know, tea parties, dress up, stuff that I kind of wish my dad had helped me out. But I think he's like, oh, he's with his sisters. He's having a good time. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of kind of child abuse, right? A little bit. So I get older. And yes, I have pictures like crazy. But anyways, uh, I get older. And I'm, I'm a little, I guess you could say I'm a little weird or strange or, or whatever you want to call it. And kids are picking on me pretty ruthlessly. And around sixth grade, I'm 12 years old. I finally kind of realized I'm the butt of their jokes. I think before I wasn't really sure. I, I thought maybe it was just here or there, but they, they really were coming after me pretty hard. And I went to my parents and said, hey, you know, I want to start going to the gym before school so I can, you know, get in shape. But really, I just wanted to get big so I could beat them up. That, that was really my full intent. So I did that for three months. And after three months, I remember going to school, you know, I'm in sixth grade and the teachers were like, man, are, are, did your parents put you on steroids or girls would start complimenting me, guys stopped messing with me. And that was probably the first time I had the reinforcement that hard work pays off. And that was a very pivotal moment for my entire life because everything after that came back to hard work because during the three months, I almost quit. You know, I was like, oh, I was really hurt. I'm a little kid. I'm going through puberty. My muscles have never felt uh, you know, that type of tension before. And so, you know, after you get through that initial period, right, it gets easier. So after that, uh, I started getting very serious about sports because I realized, hey, you know, I'm training and I'm really dominating on the football field and on the basketball court, specifically football was where I really excelled. It just made more sense for my skill sets and what I was good at. And I did that for the next 10 years. So I guess you could say the way we attack business now was how I attack sports. It was just eat, breathe, sleep sports, trying to get to the National Football League. Around 22, I got all the way to Division One level. I had a bunch of injuries. I don't think I was good enough either. Um, I like to think I was good enough, but I don't. I don't know. And I got hurt a lot, and so that's when football ended. And I was in a kind of a state, a bad mental place. I guess you could say, because I didn't know what I was going to do next. 
And that was my identity. So athletes, you know, ESPN's cool, but I, I actually don't think they show the other side of the story. It's, it's pretty brutal and it's very cutthroat and ruthless. And you're almost treated, it might be better now because athletes are being paid now, but when I was playing, that wasn't the case yet. And it was almost, you're almost kind of like cattle where you are there to help the coaches win. And if you're not useful, the coaches will cut you or, you know, you're out or someone else will take your spot. And so I lost my identity. I was going through a, a little bit of a life crisis. And I met a mentor named David Fry, who is married to one of Russell Brunson's cousins. And so that's my introduction to the ClickFunnels world. And he just said, hey, look, you know, if you drop out of school, I know you want to be an engineer, you got good grades, but if you drop out of school, I'll show you how to make more money, how to build a business. Because that was my ultimate goal. Because growing up, you know, seven kids on a teacher salary, I'm sure you can picture how that went. Yeah. So I, I drop out of school. My whole family is not up for it. My girlfriend at the time broke up with me over it. I wasn't sure I should do it. It was it was a very scary decision. I didn't really have anyone in my corner besides this mentor. But I started, I'd wake up, I'd train, and then I would go to his house and he had a little garage that was attached. And I'd work in there all day and then I would go home. And I did that for about a year and a half and I built a product from scratch. So a low ticket fitness product, it was 47 bucks called the rapid muscle system. And I learned everything there, like funnels. I hooked it up to Stripe, emails, automations, Facebook ads, the whole nine yards. I didn't make any money because, you know, selling a $47 product is kind of hard when you don't have a big following. So I basically would just, you know, make a little money, pay some bills off and that was it. But it really was a PhD in marketing and specifically just, you know, CRMs, operations, stuff that really helped me later on. So at this time, I'm about 23 and a half. I really want to get out of my hometown. I'm feeling kind of like a loser, for lack of a better word. I go up to Utah to be around some family, and I'm still trying to get this business off the ground, but I'm struggling. So I'm working as a server part-time, and then I would go home and work on it. Still didn't work. Then I went and did door-to-door sales. That still didn't work. And I did door-to-door sales with the mindset, hey, the reason my business isn't working is I'm not making money. That's why it doesn't work, which I, I believe was a lie now. But at the time, that's how I justify not being successful. So now I'm 25 or about to turn 25. And I'm, I don't know what it was, Onik, but I think what I actually hate about adults is they tell you things that aren't true or they say things that make you not feel that speed is necessary. So they would tell me, Hey, you're young. You got a lot of time. And I was like, yeah, like I am young. I'm 21. I'm 22. I'm 23. I, I do got time. And so what would happen is even though I was trying to progress, it, it didn't feel like I had to, it just felt like, Hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So at 25, for whatever reason, this like switch goes off and I just feel, Hey, if I don't figure it out this year, I got to go back to school because I'm not enjoying my life. I can't go on dates. I feel embarrassed. And it was at that time I was walking and I was about to go to sales. I saw a Facebook ad that said how to build an online fitness business. You know, Facebook probably heard me or something. I clicked on the ad and I bought the course. It was a high ticket program, $5,000. I didn't even know what high ticket was. Uh, I got totally high pressure sailed into it. You know, like, hey, if you don't buy today, uh, you can't come back, all that type of stuff. And I was like, okay, okay. So I put 2K down that I had left. That's all I had to my name. I put three grand on a credit card that I had to go apply for. I didn't even have a credit card till 25. Don't ask me why. I just didn't. And I got on the course and they start showing all these mindset videos, which isn't bad per se. But after like four videos, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done watching this. I just go to the coach. I say, 
okay, look, just tell me what to do. Like I'm as motivated as it comes. Just tell me what I need to do. And he said, okay, in simple terms, go message people, get them on a call, close, and then raise your price. And I did that. And I made 10 grand that week. Uh, I called my parents. I said, Hey, I figured it out. Finally, like, let me come home. I'll pay you guys a thousand dollars of rent. You won't see me. Like I'm going to grind. And I went home and I spent the next 365 days. I barely left that room and I made a million dollars that year. Um, that's when I got my first click funnels award. A lot of trainers found out about me because of that. Um, and so I actually have a lot of respect for Russell because, you know, people, people sometimes will say this or that about click funnels, but Russell really like what he's trying to do in his, his mission and his vision, it really helped me and it got my name out there and it really helped other people find me. After I started helping trainers, we did 10 million that year. And then the next year, that's when elite CEOs came about because people outside of fitness started asking for help. So it was this kind of a natural progression that I wasn't counting on. I really didn't like business coaches at all, which is ironic now, but the next year we did 15 and now we're doing around 20 to 25. Um, and I think we're going to do more as I've stepped out and we have new offers, but that's the long story short of how it all started and how it all came about. So what was the year? Like, I don't know how old you are right now, but when you, when you were 25 and you had your first go, how long ago was that? It was five years ago, six years, four years. Yeah. So I, like, I really started like 2017 or two, no, 2018, like somewhere in there, 2017, 2018 is when I really like started actually making money. Yeah. So that's not long. I mean, it's, that's not long ago, like four or five years ago. Like I pretty much kind of assumed. So, I mean, the growth there has been insane, right? So you are just an overnight success story that took like 10 years in the making or five years in the making is what they would say. Because those first, you said you're 21, 22, 23, 24. It's like, you weren't having the success. And then it took that one thing. And there's so much I want to unpack just there. First thing, is the rate of growth is insane. I mean, it took me more than three times, four times the amount of years that it took you to get to the 30 plus million. Um, and I think the reason there is you found one thing that works and you just scaled it, right? It's like, this is the system. And I love how you said, it. you're like, message people, get them on the phone and sell them. Like, boom, that's, you know, make sure you charge a lot. And, um, so I, I want everyone to notice like how the, the trajectory of how fast one can grow if you're listening and today you're sitting at this moment where, I mean, you know, Tanner almost quit. Facebook ad that he saw saved his life. He was probably days, weeks. I mean, how many days do you think Tanner before you would have actually quit and gone back to school? Were you that close? Were you like days or weeks? Yeah, so my mentor, uh, David, over a two year period, I called him five times. And each time I called him, I said, Hey man, like, I think I'm going to quit and go back to school. Like this isn't working. I'm killing myself. I'm getting nothing out of it. I was doing, and when I say I was doing 16, 18 hour days, I, I really was. It's not just me to sound cool. It was, what were you doing? Like what did a 16, 18 hour day look like? Yeah. So I would wake up and I'd usually hit the gym for two up to two hours. Um, then after that, I would go to work for about six, right? And then I would come home. And so now you're at, you're at eight hours right there. And then I would come home and I put in another eight to 10 on the business. But the, the thing was when I was putting in the time on the business, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I had no idea what to put my time into. So I would like watch YouTube videos or I'd make a YouTube video or I would post on social media or I was just doing all these activities that really had nothing to do with it. 
but I was doing a lot of output and I was trying to be productive. And that's why I almost quit because I would tell man, I'm putting in all this time. I'm giving up everything and I'm getting nothing out of it. I might as well watch Netflix. Like girl, I'm not going on dates. I'm not going on parties. I live in a crappy apartment. I have a crappy car. I, and, and I was ba barely making enough on it to pay the bills. And that's what I usually recommend to people. So you're not getting ahead. So you just see yourself barely make enough to pay the bills. And so that's what most of my day was. It, and it, it just sucked. I mean, my entire life was work. And so there wasn't even really any time to quote unquote, enjoy it or decompress. It was just seven days a week, wake up, go do stuff. And then by the time I could take a break, I just wanted to lay on the couch because I was so exhausted. Yeah, no, it's, um, we have so much stuff in common. So one thing I did not know until I recently, I saw it recently a couple of weeks ago, you posted David Fry. Uh, him and I go way back, dude, like 20 years, if you mention my name to him, because my first product I ever launched, which was a total miserable failure, which I spent seven months of my life putting together, was a product called Better GPA, how to study and improve your grades in college. And it was meant to so sell to college kids. And um, I thought it was, I, I really thought that was my billionaire product because like nobody else was doing it. And I, it was a really good product. It was back when you could buy Google ads real cheap and ClickBank was there. And I did the same thing you said, man. I spent seven months figuring all that stuff out, how to put a web page up, how to write copy, how to connect it to ClickBank, how to do an ad, how to blah, 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 blah. I couldn't do it if you put a gun to my head today, but I did figure it out back then. And I remember totally flopping and someone showed me, David had a similar program. It wasn't for college kids though. And I don't actually know how it ever did. I never followed up with him, but I had connected with him way back then, man. We didn't have, there was no uh, Facebook. I think Facebook didn't even exist. I've connected with David before Facebook existed. Like that's, that's the crazy part. Um, but, uh, but the other thing, you know, is, is everyone who's watching, it's like how close you can get to the end. And how like that one little thing, man, and Facebook ad he saw, like, don't, this is why I always say like, you can't quit and you haven't failed until you've chosen, made a choice. Failure is a choice. You choose to quit. That's when you fail. As long as you're still trying, you haven't failed. And I, my story is the same. Uh, Tanner, I, I came down to the last 24 hours. I came down to literally a post I made on this forum where I wrote, I'm done guys. It's been 18 months. I got job offers from Wall Street that I've been ignoring. Um, well, I was going to, I hadn't, not at that time, but I knew, I mean, I, I had this whole career set up for me and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Nothing's working. I was spending the same thing, man. That's why I asked you, what did your 16, 18 hours look like? I was in college full time, coming home. I'd be doing stupid things on trying to make some AdSense money, trying to learn SEO, popping up websites, writing articles, writing content, posting it, doing this, and none of it was working. And I remember somebody, I still don't know who it is, um, it would be funny if it was David, but some angelic person came by, um, on this forum post and came to me anonymously and said, I don't want to see you quit. I've been watching you hustle so hard, kid. Like I'll help you for the next 24 hours. We'll get you to make some money. So you don't quit. That's why I basically said, if I, if nothing works in the next 24 hours, if I don't get at least something now, guys, I'm it. I, I, don't, I don't even know why I put that 18 months, nothing worked. What, what was going to change in 24 hours, but something encouraged me to put that out there to the, to the universe in came a solution. I actually made $300 that night um, using affiliate marketing and I never looked back. So for those of you who are thinking of quitting a lot of times and, and, and anything, not just an entrepreneurship, maybe it's your weight loss goals. Maybe it's a relationship you're in, whatever it's going on. I just, maybe this, uh, there's someone who needs to hear this. That's why I'm harping on it. I feel like I'm feeling it. Someone needs to hear that. Mm, just that one little thing could be the big breakthrough for you that gets you from where you are in a complete 180. 
Um, and then the second piece of it, Tanner, was just like the rate at which you grew. What do you account to that? That's ridiculous growth. Your first year. So here, struggle, struggle, struggle. First year, a million. Next year, 10 million. Dude, that's insane. One to 10. I've never heard anyone do that. You're the first person I've heard in a long time. From 10 to now you're 25 and you're probably going to scale past. What's going on? What, what, what do you account for like such ridiculously fast scale? So I think it was a mixture of, you know, one was the just the additional offer because, you know, trainers would come at me and I could go from three grand to a 10 to 15K price point. The other thing is I, I literally gave up everything, like everything for years, like my 20, 25. In fact, it's funny. I just turned 31 and I've looked back on the last 10 years and even the years where I didn't know about business and I wasn't starting a business. I mean, all I've done is work pretty much. I, 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 I think I relaxed a little more last year, but I just worked and worked and worked because I just got to a place where I was so tired of where I was at and so tired of, you know, always worrying about money and what I was going to do. And if things were going to work out that I just worked. And, and the funny thing is once you start making money, you're so afraid you're going to lose it, that you keep your foot on the gas. And that's how it was for sure. For the first three years. Like, I just was like, I'm not letting my foot off the gas. I don't care what happens. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything else besides working. So I wish it sounded more sexy, but it, it makes sense when that's all you do all day, every day. And that's like your only thing you think about. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So I want to go back to another thing in your story that I want to unpack, which was what you started with. It gave me chills. You said, I don't know. What was it exactly? You said goals give you a false sense of time. What What did you say gives you a false sense of time? Yeah. No, it's, it's adults. Adults. Okay. Adults. Okay. okay. So adults will go to kids and it's kind of annoying because, you know, even my dad, I, I am who I am because of my dad. And it's, it sucks because if my dad had known about this, he would have told me like, that's how my dad is. He wants me to win, but he just didn't know. And I, I remember when I started making money, he's like, Hey son, like, I'm really sorry. I couldn't have helped you. I just like, this stuff didn't exist mm -hmm. when I was your age, you know, it wasn't out there. So I had adults that would tell me, Hey, you got time. You're 21, you're 22. Oh, football just ended. You got time. Just don't, don't stress. Don't rush it. And I wish someone had said, Tanner, you need to rush. You need to push, you know, and, and something that David Fry said that actually is what convinced me to quit school. I remember the convo and I said, well, dude, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get my degree and then I'll do it. And he looked at me and he said, Tanner, he said something to this effect. He said, Tanner, if you go back to school, you'll never start a business. And I was like, what do you mean? He says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to find a girl. She likes making $100,000 a year. You're going to go to her and say, you're going to go back to zero. And she's going to say no. And that'll be the end of it. And I was like, dude, I, I mean, I, I just remember feeling this guy, like he's, he's onto something. He must be right. And he goes, if you burn the ship now, you're going to force yourself to make it work. And I'm glad he did because every time I almost quit, the only reason I did it was because of him. And because what was my other option? I hated school. Like I didn't want to go back. I had good grades. I worked hard, but I was not naturally the guy who got A's. I had to work. Like I had to go in and I had to really study. So I wish adults hadn't said that to me um, because it doesn't help. And it's, it's kind of false, right? Because life goes very fast. And I look back now, those two years that I waited to get help from coaching or ask for help, because I didn't really know about the coaching space and I was too prideful to ask. That could have been another, you know, 
10, 15, $20 million I could have made, yeah. which would have helped me speed up my life process. Yeah. Okay. So to, to man, our stories, it's uncanny. So uh, my senior year when I find, so my senior year of college is when I finally started to have some success and I was trying to make some money. But at the same time, I got like three amazing job offers from Wall Street um, for investment banking. So note, I'm at this college getting a degree in finance, the job that everyone is dreaming of getting is an investment banking positions. I had three a whole other story about how I got them it had nothing to do with my grades. I couldn't even balance a checkbook if, if you wanted me to. Uh, it was something else that kind of triggered and there was some other entrepreneurial things I was doing that led to these three job offers. So here I am sitting with dream job offers, three of them that my all my classmates would kill for. But I got this business that's starting to churn, starting to make some money. I'm making a few hundred grand a year. Like I'm busting my butt though. And but I'm like, I got some people saying, dude, that could go away any minute. Business is not stable. You've got job offers at Morgan Stanley, James, um, you know, uh, JP Morgan and Charles Schwab. Like, oh, my God. And I went to my dad. Now, my dad is the least entrepreneurial person on the planet. Um, he's a nuclear mechanical engineer who was the head of two power plants at the NRC. I mean, like he ain't an entrepreneur. And I would have never thought he would said he it's exactly what he said to me. He goes, son, I, I'll tell you what. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? He's like, you can't think long. You have to answer quick. In 10 years from now, do you want to have your own company or be high up in another company? I didn't even think for a second. I was like, my own company. He says, do not take the job offer, period. And I'm like, really? I would never think my dad would give me that advice. Actually, I went into that meeting thinking that his advice was going to be take the job offer. And he said exactly what David said to you, but in a different way. He said, see, I know how you are. You're going to take this job you're going to take a job. You're going to kick ass at it because you work hard. That's what you do. You're going to climb. You're going to climb that ladder at that bank. You're going to start making big money. And at some point, the cost of leaving that, the risk of leaving that to start your own is just going to be so high, you'll never do it. And you will be entrapped into that system. So today, right now, you live at home. You live in our basement. You eat our food. Worst thing that goes, you're, you're, you, you, you have a little money. You go broke, whatever. We're here. Take your chances. Take your shots. So for those of you listening who happen to be young, um, interesting advice that both of us got that changed our life. Um, risky advice in some cases. So please be please be careful, right? Like in my case, I, I had safety nets all around me. Like, But some of us, if you have to pay the bills, you have to pay the bills, right? The other thing that's really interesting, Tanner, I want to unpack this whole adults tell us we have all the time in the world. Um, they do. And something really weird happened with me. Okay. So I've had a lot of health issues. Uh, last few years of my life have been really challenging business wise. I'm so blessed for it. Cause I learned so much. I feel like a Yoda now. Like I, there's just so much I know, like the next, like as I'm rebuilding the business and I literally this year, uh, in 2022, I, I wiped the slate. I was like clean, we're rebuilding. And it's been amazing. I'm rebuilding it. It's such a different way now, but, um, it's, uh, I, I, Got, my health got completely de destroyed. And so I'm trying to fix it. So I go to the gym, start going to the gym months ago, get on the elliptical machine and you got to put your age in. And you have froze 39, putting three, nine. I just froze. I, I swear I had a midlife crisis on the spot. I was like, what? No way. No, 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 no. There's no way I'm third. What? I'm like, I'm not joking. I'm sitting on this elliptical machine with my calculator in my hands, like 1983 minus. I'm like, shit, I'm 39. Like, holy crap. And I'm like, 
I've been married to my wife nine years. What? I've, I just remember meeting her like yesterday. So I, I just want I guess I want to share that too. And you know what, um, guys, as you get older, like your energy goes down. Like it, it's just different things happen. I got a daughter now. I'm married. I have other priorities. So if you're younger, you got that energy. You got that time. I mean, don't hit the bars. Don't like, dude, put that energy in the right place. Like that's the time because, and I'm glad I did, by the way, I'm by no means like broke or anything. Like we, we are amazing. We live great. I can make choices. I spend as much time with my daughter as I choose to. Um, but like, yeah, it's my message to the, you're right. Like if you're 21, 22, I don't, you don't have a lot of time. This is the time like, go fight it, do it right yeah. now. Like you don't, you don't have anything to lose. It, that's, that's the thing is as you get older, you want to find a girlfriend or you want to find a wife or you want to get a house or whatever. And so you have more responsibilities. So the best time to do is when you do, you have none, there's no obligations. Yeah. There's nothing to pay. You don't own anything. So I still feel blessed, but I mean, I see these 18 year olds now and 16 year olds starting. I'm like, man, if I started at 16 I with know. the work ethic I had, it's, it's crazy to think how much farther I'd be at the age I'm at. Oh my God. I so I was in India, Tanner, and I got interviewed by a 16 year old. I think he's 16 or even younger. Uh, YouTuber in India. By the way, it, I went to a trip. I'm going to make a whole separate separate episode about this, guys. I was a week in India. I didn't want to leave. If it wasn't for my daughter and my wife, I wouldn't have left. Like, holy crap. And I've been going to India for a long time. And my wife was laughing, too. She was like, are you serious? Because I always wanted to leave. I'm like, I don't Man, the culture, the enterprising culture, just like how it's taken off and everyone's entrepreneurial and everyone's optimistic and everyone's building. And it's what kind of like the U.S. I felt like used to be like 20 years ago. Um, anyways, back to the story uh, in India, if you're a YouTuber or if you have a social media following and like you have 20, 30,000 people, you're like a, you're like a baby. It's like, oh, you know, like people over there got millions of followers, like dime a dozen. Like it's like, you know, it's, it's 1.5 billion people. So, you know, it's not that hard, but this kid, I think he had like 120,000 followers. He's in my hotel room interviewing me for his channel. He's asking me some wicked questions, like good questions. And he's so little. And the whole time I'm just staring at him thinking, damn, I wish I was you. <laughs> like with what I know now and with what we have access to now, that child is going to be a billionaire. Like it's nothing is going to stop him. And so you're right. You're right. I look at my nephews. I mean, I have an 11 and a six year old and I just look at them and I'm like, oh man, like the 11 year old, like he could start like, you know, <laughs> he could start doing stuff. He's smart. Um, all right. It's a lot I want to unpack with you, man. Um, the two areas I still want to unpack with you. One is this whole entrepreneur versus CEO thing. And then I want to unpack the billion dollar conversations you have and how people can have those. But let's let's talk about the the CEO entrepreneur complex, the difference, the why'd you step down? What's behind that? Um, walk me through that whole decision. Yeah. So it was, I, I think it was, there were three things that happened specifically that convinced me I needed to step down, maybe four. So I'll just walk you through them. So first was COVID and COVID was, well, that I, at this point, 2020, 2021, right? So you got to remember 2017-ish, 2018 is when I started. So that's year three when we hit 15. So we're just going up like a freaking rocket ship and COVID happened. So it just amplified sales because everyone wants to move online. So what do we do? We teach people how to build online businesses. So it was the perfect storm. And I think it was Perry Belcher, but he said something about, I don't know. I think he said a lot of times when you're super successful, you'll realize there's a lot of luck involved or something of that nature. 
And I didn't realize, but I think part of the reason we did 15 so easy was because of COVID. And so when COVID ended, things started getting harder. Ad costs went up, you know, sales were not as easy flowing. And I was like, oh, shoot. So that was the first thing where I realized, hey, we were hitting things right at the right time, et cetera. The second one was when I saw Alex Becker pull out of marketing and he went over to Hyros. And then Hyros a few months ago sold for like 110 or something like that. And just a lot of what he said resonated, right? Like he was bigger in the space and he talked about the hard things that go with it and how it's hard to continue to get results and scale, et cetera. And then he switched over and you watched him live do it. Uh, I think the other person that I watched as well was Hermosi, right? So kind of his thing with Jim launch, then he started acquisition again, different vehicle. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I think the final straw was when I went to a meetup in Miami. There was like 50 entrepreneurs there. I think everyone was making a ridiculous amount. The lowest person there was making maybe 3 mil a year. Some people were doing over a hundred and uh, Grant Cardone was there and I got an opportunity to speak with him and just watch what he's doing. And he was, again, he's removing himself from the business. He has people running it. So he has more leverage. And so I think the conclusion I came to is that, okay, yeah, I have a good business. It makes good money. It's going to make me very wealthy. If it kept running the way it is, I'd be worth multiple nine figures, like probably just cash, not even equity, just cash. Uh, but I realized there's a ceiling and it's a lot more effort at some point for very low amounts of profit or extra profit. So you might do 80% more effort for 20% more profit versus if you switch into a bigger vehicle or an easier vehicle, you can grow faster and get bigger. And so for me, I made the personal choice that instead of, you know, pushing another year being in the seat to get an extra couple mil or whatever the number is, that it made more sense for me to remove myself to get all my bandwidth back to start something else that had a higher ceiling. And I have brothers, you know, so they go to bat for me. They're some of the hardest workers I know. I felt comfortable with who was going to take over, which it is my brother. And he's been with me since the beginning. But that was the biggest thing because, you know, as we transition to billionaire convos, again, I don't leave a lot of conversations thinking, wow, that guy is just so much smarter than me. I can't possibly ever do what he does. It just seems like it's a better vehicle almost every single time. And they have very little fulfillment. And so in the service industry with internet marketing, there's a lot of fulfillment. And part of the issue is that you can't pick and choose your clients quite as easy. I know recently what you're doing, I think is a smart move if you can pull it off at scale because you're letting you're only letting people in at a certain number, which means they have to have higher skill. They've been through more stuff, which makes it, in my opinion, likelier they can implement. When you work with beginners, and they come in and they don't know how to speak. They don't know how to talk. They've never ran a business. Trying to get everyone the exact same results is much more difficult versus Hyros, for example. Alex Becker did a tech. You have Hermosi, who's doing three to 10 million minimum. So you know those people know what they're doing. And then you kind of see like when I saw Grant, Grant's kind of building a portfolio. And again, same thing. Very big companies, really smart people. And so I'm not saying those are the only paths, but that's really when I saw that happening with people I knew and people I could speak to and just watched, it made sense that, Hey, with the vehicle I'm in right now, it's, it's going to cap out at a certain point, much lower than something else. And so I need to get out so I can figure out the next thing and put my time there. Yeah. So. Holy crap. So everyone who's listening, go back, just remind right now, seriously, just move that little cursor back. If you're on YouTube, move it back. If you're on a podcast, move it back and listen to that last bit again, because 
more truth could remember i told you when tanner posts on facebook sometimes the reason i'm drawn to his post is because you just know it's not bullshit. he didn't go to chat gpt and say type motivational post for me to post on my facebook it's raw like raw knowledge and living it i have the same experience so here's what i experienced last year when i started to make huge transitions to the business which led me to literally wiping the slate clean because i just Part of it was also 20 years of doing the same thing. I was like, I just can't do it anymore. Um, but here's the thing. <clears throat> What's that? I said that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so I look at any of the very successful people. Look, we all are human, right? So whether you're Elon Musk or you're Onyx Gall or you're Tanner, you have 24 hours in a day. You only have 24 hours in a day. So, and so you can work 20 of them and ignore the rest of your life and sleep for and be highly unhealthy and blah, blah, blah. But hard work isn't, I don't think is the differentiator between myself and someone who right alongside of me. I mean, you use, I, I always say this. So immense respect for Russell Brunson. R Russell and I got started in the industry, I think within one month of each other. We've known each other forever. Um, and Russell's vehicle is very different than my vehicle. I don't really think it would be fair to say that he or I work harder than one another. Um, Russell is brilliant, but I, I mean, I don't think I'm lacking in knowledge. I know what I'm doing with online marketing as well. A lot of it is the vehicle. You're absolutely right. The, so I start to look at a lot like, okay, if I spent 20 years that I spent building an information marketing company, but if those 20 years had gone into a software company, what the hell would that company be worth today? If I put that same energy, that same vigor, that same skill, that same team building, that same obsession with product, the same marketing finesse, the same, you know, grit, I don't know, could be a lot more. Now, to anyone listening, that doesn't mean I'm not happy with where I am. No, this is a result of where I am. I'm now thinking, wow, I've got at least another good 20, 30 years in me. Let's utilize it differently. This transition that I've begun to make is also one that is of a portfolio. Um, I like creating companies. I love advising companies, assisting companies. I have a killer network now, I have killer knowledge. I don't really like operating them day to day. It feels to me like it's conflict, it's, it's suffocating my skill set. Um, and it's not giving opportunity to others who are ready for it. I have people in my organization who are ready to step up and lead. I'm in their way. I'm in their way of growth. This is the next step for them. And my next step is X. So that's why when you did it, I'm like, hey, man, there's someone. <laughs> this guy's thinking the same things I'm thinking. Um, I don't have brothers, but I have people that have been with me for years. And one of them specifically, who I'm pretty excited to, to start kind of handing things off to as I go off to do the next thing. Um, so that's interesting. And for everyone who's watching, uh, well, let me ask you this, Tanner. Did you think you're the best? Like, did you think you're a great CEO? Yes and no. Uh, I, I thought, so it's interesting. I thought at first I wasn't because whenever I would talk to someone, they're like, well, I'm doing three mil a month. I'm doing four mil a month. I would immediately go, man, what are they doing that I'm not doing? I think after I saw Alex, both Alex's grant, I, I think that changed a little bit and said, ah, so maybe it's more the vehicle than my actual leadership skills. And now that I have portfolio companies, I actually did a post today where we made a tweak on their offer. They were doing 200 a month. They're almost at 200,000 and we're 10 days in and at a 10 ROI, just making a tweak on the offer. So it's funny how I'm actually seeing the vehicles or the offers change live. And I'm going that was the biggest thing I was missing. I think 
the hardest thing for me um, as a CEO or, or maybe why I doubt of myself is I would say that I am, you know, you have the dichotomy of leadership, that book by Jocko Willick. I think that's how you say his last name. And I love the book because until I read it, I didn't really understand. I just thought leadership was, hey, this is how, this is what you need to do. And you can either do it or get fired. And that's how I used to lead. And then I realized, hey, you might need to pull back a little bit to where people don't want to like hate you and hate their job. But I would say I'm a pretty aggressive CEO where I tell people, I say, look, like this is the standard and you can hit the standard or you can't be here. Like I'm not lowering the standard for anybody, including my brothers. And I've, I've actually gone off on my brothers in front of the team to kind of drive the point home. But I think that might be the part where I don't, I don't always know if that's the best way to handle it. But at the end of the day, I've, I've always been, this is what the business needs. And we're going to give the business what it needs, regardless of how you feel or what you say or what you have to do in your personal life. Like I want to win. Um, so now that my brother's taken over, I think he can do what it takes, but I think his personality may actually be better fit as the CEO because he's a little bit more laid back or he, maybe he communicates in a softer tone. So that's kind of what I get from you when I hear you speak. I, I don't, I can't really, maybe you do, but I can't really picture you screaming, but I think people could picture me screaming. And so hopefully that kind of makes sense. Uh, that enough. No, I, I can, I can, I'm intense. Anyone who's worked with me knows I'm very intense. Um, and I'm all about, I'm the same way. If something needs to get done, we just do it. I mean, great applied, it gets done. If we need to get something done in a week and people are like, well, we need a month. I'm like, well, we can do it in a week. And I think that part of my leadership for my portfolio and my companies will always be there. But I'm not like, I'm, I'm a great visionary. I can see things, but I will confuse the crap out of the team too. What we have found over the last few years is there's this like level in between myself and the team that's perfect that can knows how to take what I'm saying and kind of filter it down and put it to a place where like the team can then actually say, okay, we get it. But you know, part of being a CEO, you, you've got to coach and guide and lead and do the quarterly reviews and the monthly check-ins and the weekly calls. And I actually find for me, the greatest stress in my life, I'm being honest with you, when I wake up in the business world is a calendar full of calls. Like I just dream of a day where I don't have that, right? Like there are times I talk to people where I'm like, Hey, can you can can we catch up at 3 p.m. on Friday? And they're like, sure. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, I can't do 3 p.m. I can do 2 p.m. on Thursday. Okay. I'm like, how do you have so much time? Like for me, that would be like, hey, that would be like a two-hour long. Gotta move this, gotta move that. Oh my god, I have no time. And so, but when I'm left alone, and my team has said this too, if you leave me alone for a week, nothing on my schedule. Just let me meander around. Let me like, you know, watch the videos, talk to Tanner, talk to so-and-so, do this, do that. All of a sudden, a week later, I come back. I'm like, I got, this is what we're doing. Like, I have, I have a brilliant idea. We're going to go implement this. And then the team runs with it and implements it. So, you know, and some people have said, well, I think that's a visionary CEO. It's still a CEO. Like there's visionary CEOs and there's like directional CEOs. You need a strong operational person. And I'm like, whatever it is, I want to be the CEO of my portfolio. And it's time for me to really start taking my knowledge and applying it to different companies and, and, and supporting different younger CEOs. Um, it's, it's a cool, how, what's you that? Know, it's more leverage. Yeah, it's more leverage. The thing that I realized was, you know, I can do those things. And I think, but again, it depends on the leverage of the company. If it's a billion dollar thing, then yeah, take the dang calls all day. But if it's not, you have to give yourself the leverage to step out so you can do some of those visionary things. Like Benson has back-to-back -back calls all day now. He took over my role. 
that's perfect for him. And he understands what he needs to do and his full attention is there. But I think to your point where you're at and where you're trying to get, that doesn't make sense for you anymore because it, it pigeonholes you into only that company and you're not able to get that leverage. And that, that's just how I do it. No, I, I think I agree. So, so, let, so let's have a, 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 let's have a pragmatic, like a real, real, like a real, real chat moment. You stepped down, I think it was basically at the year turn, if I remember correctly, like Jan 1st, 2023, you're like, all right, I'm not CEO anymore. Is that correct? Do I remember that right? Okay. Correct. Okay. Ha you know, a lot of times when CEOs step, step down, they're like still here, <laughs> right? Like they're a CEO, they're like, oh, come on in, but they're like still here. And everyone just kind of like, is, they're still like CEO, they're just not called CEO. Have you been able to truly like, like, did that transition happen well? Like, are you really out or are you still kind of transitioning and there's still a lot of you like co-CEOing the company? This is like more of a personal question for me. No, 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 no. That's a great question. I think honestly, like being frank, like I think closer to the end of the year, it would be like completely disappear, but I'm still pretty uninvolved, meaning I'm not doing any of the calls. All I do per day is I do a 15 minute advisory call. They might ask me a big question like, hey, here's this, like, which direction do you want us to go? But like Benson, my brother's running with it. And I think my thought process is he's in charge. But I think me being there and him kind of seeing how I'm making some decisions is helpful. I think if I cut it off completely cold turkey, like no advisory calls, nothing, that actually would not be to his benefit. Mm -hmm. But to be frank with you, I don't think I'll ever stop advisory calls if I'm the owner of the company because it doesn't. It, like no. you, you, you're completely unaware of what's going on. So even just hopping on a 15 minute call, I can see where the company's at. So if I ever need to come in or if like someone ever were to ask me, I can give an intelligent answer versus, well, I haven't been here in four months. So I don't know what the hell is going on anymore. So sure. I, I would, I, I think, I think I'm, I would say I'm pretty uninvolved, but um, I'm, I would say I'm one step away from like, Hey, you guys can see me once every quarter. I mean, once every day for 15 minutes to me is not much, but that's kind of where it's at at the moment. Yeah, that's great. So transition out, which which is the way it should be. And I wanted, again, people to hear that because a lot of times you're like, all right, I'm, I've seen this happen. I've actually seen people try to replace themselves and they just they literally pack their bags and go. It's like, that's eh, probably not the right way to do it because there is a transition. And at that role... There's, there's, see what I'm finding and what I've started doing, there's a transition of relationships that takes time. There are vendors, you know, people always ask, why is it? I, I remember I used to complain about this a couple of years ago. Why is it when there's a problem, you guys have been trying to solve it for two weeks. I step in and I solve it in 20 minutes. What, what the heck? Well, that's because when I call that vendor, we have 15 years of history. So when I'm on the phone with them, I'm like, listen, I need you to just do this for me. All right. They're 15 years where they've been saying no to my team. I'm on the phone. They're like, all right, fine. And it's that those relationships, even with your team members or the vendors or customers, it's just different. But in time, you can transition those and those relationships can. So, so I will tell anyone who's looking right now at stepping outside of that. I've started the process and I'm, you know, it's a six to nine month process. I'm being very intentional right now about some of the core relationships that drive revenue in our business to start transitioning them to someone else in the company very slowly, gradually, and making them super comfortable with it so that 
those are my most important calls. And those are like the, so I want to go from having, my first goal is to have no external calls and only internal calls. So it's like I'm supporting the team. And then slowly, I want to start letting the team support each other. And that'll give me the opportunity to step away, <coughs> excuse me, into more advisory role. Um, the ads are important too, Onik, for people listening. You know, if you're the face of your ads, I bet it's a, I mean, it's a year transition. So that's the one thing too, is occasionally, that's probably something I could have shared advisory calls. And then occasionally I will shoot some ads. Ads is not a big deal. Cause it takes me, you know, 15 minutes, but it's hard. Like we very, like something I've noticed is when you go from a personal face that people recognize for years, and then you move it to a brand page and you're using different people's faces, the costs are not the same when you start. And so I think that's also something you have to get your team ready for is you start that transitionary period, you start trying to get it to work. Yep. And if you're going to eventually pull your face out of everything, because it takes time for people to start trusting that, you know, people see me and they, oh yeah, I've seen your stuff for years. I know who Tanner is, et cetera. You know, they see a brand new page like Tanner, is that, is that your page? Is that your company? Is that, was that a spam page? That's, that's kind of the comments. So it's, yeah. it's interesting oh, to I, see that as well. I hear you. All right, man. Well, it's been absolutely fascinating. So last topic, how the hell do you talk to so many billionaires all the time? <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's three ways. Um, first is either like a connection, right? So if someone knows someone, hey, you know, this is Tanner. He's legit. He don't want to waste your time. He just wants to ask a few questions. Can you do that? That's number one. Number two will just be strictly pay for it. So, you know, you'd be surprised, but I think some of these, some of these billionaires are just under the radar. I would say the the smaller their social media following, the easier it is to get a hold of them, right? Because they're not getting hit up. Uh, you know, I it's funny because I was really, and I still talk to him a lot, but you know, we've both seen Alex just blow up recently. And before he blew up, I bet you it was a lot easier to get a hold of him. I bet now it's infinitely harder because as he's blown up, more people are reaching out. So that's number two is sometimes if you just get their email, their phone number, you can go on seamless.ai, you can go on LinkedIn, you just like search or find their assistance, reach out. You'd be surprised you can just pay for it, right? That's number two. Then number three, there's different apps where you can sometimes find them. So there's one by Patrick David Bett, for example, called Manette. You can go on there and you can pay for a call with Patrick David Bett. It's super expensive, but you can pay for it. Um, it goes anywhere between- How do you spell that? Minect, M-I-N-N-E-C-T, Minect. Like Andrew Tate's on there. So you could interview Andrew Tate basically if you wanted to, you could pay for it. Um, so there's apps like that as well, if you're willing to look where sometimes you'll find those individuals on there. Um, and my guess is that the, the ones you find, they probably have equity in the apps, which is why they're doing it, right? So if you might get on there and go, wow, this guy's only a thousand bucks for a convo. Well, yeah, because he's got equity in the company and that's the selfish reason. That's at least my, my thoughts. You know, I, I highly doubt. I mean, maybe it's out of the goodness of their heart too, but I, I'm assuming there's something in it for them. And that's what I would assume it is. So those are really the three ways you can do it. And I just did it. The reason I started doing that is as I stepped out, I want to have a clear conscience on what I do and, you know, really take my time. And the one thing I'll share with you that everyone told me to do, and this might be good advice for you. Uh, they said, take time off before you do the next thing. They said, whatever you do, I'm telling you, take time off. Your idea will come when you're doing nothing. They said, if you go right into work and you start something up, I promise you, you'll regret it. I'd say 50% or more of them said that without me even asking. 
And I thought that was very interesting. And as I'm doing kind of nothing right now, podcasts, I'm reading some books, but I'm not really like actively doing things. Um, it's definitely different thinking, right? It's creative thinking versus operational. And I, I think that's kind of why what you said earlier resonated because you say, yeah, when my team leaves me alone. I don't have to do a bunch of calls. I come with these ideas. It's a different type of thinking and it's a different type of energy. Um, yeah, hopefully I answered that question on how I found them. There's yeah. really those two ways. No, absolutely. And and in addition to Manette, guys, if you're if you're um, I don't know if I'm off the top of my head, but you can Google it. Just Google, you know, conversations with successful entrepreneurs or whatever. There's like three or four sites now. Um, I've used one. Uh, I used one called Clarity.fm. Um, if I think yeah. is that's yeah. So I used it's so funny. I used Clarity.fm to connect with Josh. Josh Snow. Um, and honestly, I could have just, I could have Facebooked them because actually we have mutual friends too, but I was just, I just wanted to get, I wanted to get on a call. I had a couple of quick e-com related questions, had a call with him. It was great. 30 minutes. I think it cost me back then. I know he charges a lot more now back then it probably cost me 500 bucks or something. Um, but the call went so well, we ended up sharing cell phone numbers. We're friends now. He's been on my podcast. I mean, I don't know how much I stretched that $500 after that, like a lot, right? Because we were, I was in the middle of launching an e-com brand at that time. So his insights were super, super helpful. Um, and I just, uh, but for those of you who don't want to spend all that much money, but want to take, want to learn the key takeaways, Tanner's constantly on the phone with them and he posts, I love his little summaries. He'll post like the whole summary on his, on his personal Facebook page. Um, so you got to follow him on his personal Facebook page. Into the top. So if someone wants all the notes, I, I did notes and I added videos. So if someone wants it, it's pinned to my Facebook, just go comment and my team sends it. That's awesome. There you go. So go to his Facebook and, and, and pin them. Um, Tanner, that's my last question is where can people learn more about what you do, your company, you follow you, stalk you, pay you, give you money. Give us, give us, give us all the, give us all the doodads. How, how can people follow you? No. So, I mean, I'm really trying to grow my YouTube. I'm, I'm trying to put some really heavy time to really learn content and make it better. So YouTube would be a great place. And then um, I have a bunch of companies, but you know, the main one is elite CEO. So you just go to eliteceos.com. And if you need help scaling your business or starting a business, we got tons and tons and tons. I mean, thousands of video testimonials, which we worked really hard to get. So um, those two places, but yeah, that'd be the best. All right. There you go, everybody. Love it. Um, Tanner, thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure. Always has been a pleasure with you um, talking to you. I think this is the longest we've actually spoken, um, which has been an honor. I hope to have you back. I wish you all the best on not being the CEO of your company. Trust me, I'm rooting for you because uh, my time's coming. I, that's all I can publicly share. My time's coming. We're months away before I hope to be able to make a similar announcement and then go build my portfolio. So um, everyone go follow Tanner, EliteCEOs.com or find him um, in the show notes. We will make sure we put all the links we can to his social medias, his YouTube. Make sure you go there, hit subscribe, give us a like, come on, help get this podcast out to the world. Tell everybody about it. Tanner, you rock. And the rest of you, what do I always say? When life pushes you, stand straight, smile, push the heck back. This is Onik. See you on the next one. Bye.